continuing our discussion of chapter three of part one of individuation in the light of notions of form and information. Over the last couple readings, we've been looking at Simon Dome's interpretation of quantum physics and the transformation of the notion of the individual that it brings about. So we, we saw, uh, I think, at the beginning of last week or the week before, we saw his discussion of the way that the relativistic physics uh, changes the notion of the individual because the particles in a relativistic physics have the capacity to increase their their mass or energy indefinitely as they approach the speed of light and uh, and so this this indefiniteness um, or um, this capacity to uh, increase or change the um, essential qualities of uh, of particles uh, contradicts the substantialist or atomistic account of, uh, of what these particles are, uh, according to which the particles themselves would not have qualities because qualities are explained by the combination of different particles in, in various ways. The particles themselves in a substantialist or, or atomistic uh, theory are supposed to stay the same and then they just uh, come into various combinations and those combinations are what give rise to the various qualities that we can observe in uh, composite bodies, but the the fact that the, um, the the seemingly essential qualities like mass and energy uh, of a particle can can increase beyond any given limit uh, under relativistic physics um, shows that uh, these seemingly essential qualities are are not fixed in the way that they they would be in a substantialist theory. So that we we can't um, we can't treat the uh, particles in a relativistic physics as if they were uh, little uh, miniature substances uh, in the way that we could in the pre-relativistic physics. And he also, and he points also to the role of interaction. So the way that um, the, interaction, <clears throat> the interaction of particles uh, in a relativistic physics can, uh, by changing the velocity of a particle, will also change its mass because of the the, the way that uh, the mass increases as a, a particle approaches the speed of light. So again, the uh, inherent, seemingly inherent uh, properties of the particle can change as a result of interaction with other particles, um, which again is uh, um, in contradiction with the substantialistic account of uh, how particles are supposed to work. And so then we, we passed to, um, the the change in the notion of the individual that um, comes about through quantum physics. Um, so this is important because so for Simon Dong, um, we we've seen on a number of occasions he wants to come to a conception or develop a conception under which a relation would have the status of being. So that um, what uh, relation in the proper sense or in the, the sense that he wants to use that term uh, is not something that's external to the the being of the terms that are related to each other, um, but it's something that makes up that being and it's, it's a part of that being. And so he's argued in earlier parts of the work that in order to have that kind of relation, uh, that uh, ontologically strong sense of relation, uh, there has to be a, a discontinuous term and a, a continuous term. So the relation has to be asymmetrical in that sense. So that, that discontinuity um, is what is characteristic of quantum physics in the sense that we have uh, 
discontinuous energy states uh, of particles so that they, they can only exist at um, integer multiples of a particular uh, constant, um, Planck's constant. Um, so there's, there's, no, um, there's no energy state that a particle, particle can occupy that is say 1.5 times that constant. It's always, it's always going to be either at uh, at one or two or three, et cetera, uh, times that constant. So uh, there's a, a sort of jump from one um, energy state to the next one without passing through the intermediate um, energy states. Uh, and that's, so that's the, the discontinuity that, um, that characterizes uh, quantum physics as opposed to the continuous physics of, of the pre-quantum world. And then we also, uh, Saw so briefly, um, Simondon pointed to uh, the specific uh, interpretation of quantum physics that he's working with, which is Louis de Bray's double solution theory. And, uh, and so we saw, um, he explained a little bit the history of, of this account. So um, de Bray came up with the double solution theory. Um, but, uh, and so according to this theory, um, the, the, um, uh, the wave function has two solutions. Uh, so it has the one uh, linear solution, which um, which is the one that's been retained by standard interpretations of quantum physics uh, and that has a probabilistic meaning. Um, but then there's also a nonlinear uh, solution to the wave function, which um, uh, has a real physical meaning, is not probabilistic. And um, so uh, de Broglie came up with this idea, um, but then the mathematical difficulties of working with this nonlinear solution led him to um, pr propose a, a simplified version of the theory called the pilot wave theory, uh, under which there, there would be uh, a particle and then um, the wave function would be a, a real wave that guides the particle. Um, so that's where the term pilot wave comes from. Um, and, uh, and so the, um, the uh, wave particle duality or, or complementarity would actually be um, a real physical uh, duality, not just some sort of conceptual um, duality. Uh, so that there really is a, a particle and a wave that, that interact with each other. Um, and, uh, and so De Broglie presented this, uh, the pilot wave version at uh, the Solvay conference in 1927. Uh, and then he got some objections as to um, the adequacy of this theory that he um, apparently did not answer very well. And uh, everyone was convinced that the theory was um, sort of hopeless, uh, including De Bruy. He gave up on the theory and adopted the standard interpretation of quantum physics. Um, and, uh, and it was only in the 1950s that um, David Bohm uh, rediscovered the, the pilot wave theory and um, uh, countered the objections which um, had suggested that it was not possible to develop um, a theory of that kind, uh, a so-called hidden variables theory. Um, uh, so David Bohm uh, developed the uh, sort of set out the, the theory um, in he uh, resolved some of the mathematical difficulties that had uh, led um, De Bray to uh, to adopt the simplified version. Um, and uh, 
And so after that, uh, after Bohm proposed or sort of re re uh, um, reestablished the theory, um, Debray uh, went back to his double solution version, uh, um, and uh, he worked on that. And he also proposed that this was um, a way or or sort of gave uh, a promising lead for how to unite quantum physics with relativistic physics, which is still uh, an open problem today. Um, and uh, and so that's sort of what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. That's like a, a little recap. Um, but uh, sorry, that was a little bit long. Um, so let's start uh, our reading for today. We're at the top of 143. Um, I'll read the first page or so. The Compton effect, which is produced with X-rays and gamma rays, consists in a diffusion of radiation by matter. But in the Compton effect, the changes of frequency that correspond to this diffusion do not depend on the nature of the diffusing body and only depend on the direction in which the diffusion is observed. This effect is interpreted by saying that the X-ray and gamma photons encounter in the diffusing body the free or approximately free electrons that are at rest or almost at rest. The variation of the photon's wavelengths is due to a, an energy exchange with an electron. The trajectories of the photon and of the electron can be slowed down after this energy exchange, which is a veritable shock by means of the Wilson chamber, when the photon still produces, after having struck the electron, the birth of a photoelectron, since it has encountered a gas molecule. The electron's tra trajectory is directly visible in the Wilson chamber due to the ionization that it produces. This is Compton's and Smith's experiment, no, sorry, and Simon's experiment. To, to clarify this relation of the wave and the corpuscle, Louis Debray has resorted to a critique of the concept of corpuscles such as it is used by physicists, and he opposes two conceptions of the corpuscle. The first is one that conceives the corpuscle as a small, well-localized object that depicts in space through time a sensibly linear trajectory upon which at each moment it occupies a well-defined position and is animated by a well-determined speed. But there is a second conception according to which it can be said that a corpuscle is a physical unit characterized by certain constants, mass, charge, etc., and capable of producing localized effects in which it intervenes totally and never just in part, like, for example, the photon in the Compton effect or the photoelectric effect. Yet, according to Louis Debré, the second definition is a consequence of the first, but the inverse is not true. One can indeed imagine that there are physical units capable of producing local effects, but which cannot be constantly identified with small objects depicting linear trajectories in space. However, we must choose between the ways of defining the relation of the wave and the corpuscle based on this moment. Which term is more real? Are they just as real as each other? Is the wave merely a sort of field of probability, which is for the corpuscle, the probability of locally manifesting its presence by an observable action in such or such point? Louis de Bray shows that three interpretations are logically possible. The author has wanted to accept what would allow for the broadest synthesis of the notion of waves and corpuscles, starting, as we have tried to indicate, from the two cases where the necessity of this bond was apparent, that of the photon and that of the quantified movements of corpuscles. He has wanted to make this bond possible for electrons and other elements of matter or of light by linking through formulas wherein the Planck constant H would necessarily figure the aspects of the wave and the corpuscle indissolubly tied one to, an, to another. Um, and so Angus has posted a question in, in the chat here um, about the, what I mentioned earlier on uniting uh, relativity and quantum physics. Uh, so the question is, uh, is the idea that uniting relativity and quantum physics would result in a concept of light that is both continuous and discontinuous 
and therefore capable of explaining individuation. I'm not 100% sure that's uh, whether or not that's what Simondo has in mind uh, in his uh, discussion of the double uh, solution theory. Um, um, because earlier in the text, he had uh, suggested that the photon concept is not um, something we should uh, regard as, as having reality. Um, so he, he uh, pointed out that um, the photon concept uh, sort of uh, is introduced in physics um, to explain the photoelectric effect um, by which uh, a piece of metal emits the electrons when it's irradiated with light um, at a, a certain frequency. Um, and, he, and then he, he points out that um, this photon concept uh, is useful in this one area of physics um, in this one uh, range of frequencies, but in other ranges of frequencies, it's, it's not useful. Um, and he argues that uh, if, if we wanted to grant reality to the photon concept, then it, it should be, um, it should make itself known or make itself felt in, in the whole range of electromagnetic radiation and not just in one particular domain. Um, or one subset of that range. Um, so I think he doesn't want to grant uh, something like individuality um, or individuation to the photon. Um, but I, um, I think in the case of other particles uh, like electrons and so on, um, um, that, that same wave particle duality exists um, and it will be understood um, as something like the the uh, relation uh, between a, a continuous and a discontinuous term that that is characteristic of individuation for Simondon, and and so I think uh, I think in the case of other um, particles that that Simondon does uh, regard as, as real, um, I think he uh, will grant that this uh, this double solution theory. Uh, allows us to, to understand their individuation uh, in a way that the other theories don't. Um, so in the, the bit that we just read, um, he's setting up the three possible interpretations of, um, of the relationship between the two uh, notions of a, of a particle. So the, the one notion is a, a particle as a small, well-localized object um, that has a, a, a determinate trajectory through space over time. Um, and a determinate um, speed uh, at every moment. Um, and then the second notion of a, a particle is one that um, is more abstract. So it's just a, a physical unit characterized by certain constants of mass, charge, et cetera, and capable of producing localized effects in which it intervenes totally and never just in part. So it's that discreteness um, or discrete character of the particle. So the, um, like in the photoelectric effect, when light is considered as a as having this particulate um, structure or this particle nature, it's because the the photon um, uh, instantaneously, the energy of the photon is absorbed instantaneously, and um, when when the frequency is above the the threshold, then the the metal emits the electron. Uh, it doesn't have to sort of store up energy uh, over a, uh, an interval of time. It instantaneously reacts. So the, the photon has this all or nothing effect. And uh, the, so this is um, 
what characterizes the the more abstract notion of the particle. Um, it's uh, something that has an effect at a, a location um, instantaneously or or um, a, as one unit and not um, as something that that can react in part uh, or or have a, a partial action. Um, and and so we're going to see the three possible uh, interpretations of the relationship between these two notions of uh, uh, of a particle. Um, because the the second one, the more abstract one, implies the first one, uh, or sorry, the other way around. Um, the uh, the the more particular one implies the more abstract one, but not the other way around. Um, so we can um, have various ways of interpreting interpreting the the relationship between them, and that's what we'll see in the next bit. Um, so if uh, if someone else would like to read, we can go on to those interpretations. The first type of relation between waves and corpuscles comes from the work of Arthur Schrodinger, which consists in denying the reality of the corpuscle. Only waves, uh, only waves would have a physical signification analogous to those of the waves of classical theories. In certain cases, the propagation of waves would give rise to corpuscular appearances, but these would be nothing but appearances. Quote, at the start, to clarify this idea, Mr. Schrodinger wanted to assimilate the corpuscle to a small packet of waves. But this interpretation could not be sustained, given the fact that a packet of waves always has a tendency to rapidly and incessantly stretch out in space and would soon not be representing a corpuscle endowed with a prolonged stability. Louis de, Louis de Broglie, um, does not accept this negation of the corpuscle's reality. He declares that he wants to accept the wave-corpuscle duality, quote, as a physical fact. The second interpretation concedes the reality of the wave-corpuscle duality and wants to give it a concrete signification conforming to the traditional ideas of physics. And it considers the corpuscle as a singularity within a wave phenomenon of which it would be the center. But Louis de Broglie says the difficulty is knowing why wave mechanics successfully utilizes continuous waves without singularities of the type found in the continuous waves of the classical theory of light. Lastly, the third interpretation consists in only considering the ideas of the corpuscle and of the continuous wave and in regarding them as complementary facets of reality. Uh, in the sense that Bohr gives this expression. This interpretation is qualified by Louis de Broglie as quote-unquote orthodox. The second interpretation was at first that of Louis de Broglie in 1924 following the, the defense of his thesis. He considered the corpuscle as a singularity within an extended wave phenomenon, the whole of which forms nothing but a single physical reality. Quote, since the movement of the singularity is tied to the evolution of the wave phenomenon and forms its center, it would depend on all circumstances, on all the circumstances that this wave phenomenon would encounter in its propagation in space. This is why the corpuscle's movement would not follow the laws of classical mechanics, which is a purely punctual mechanics, in which the corpuscle is merely subject to the actions of the forces exerted upon it along its trajectory 
without undergoing any repercussion from the existence of the obstacles that can be found farther along its trajectory. In my conception, on the contrary, the movement of the singularity would be subject to the influence of all the obstacles that would influence the propagation of the wave phenomenon with which it is interdependent, thus explaining the existence of interferences and diffraction, unquote. Right, so we have these three interpretations that all have um, this seemingly fatal flaw um, or this uh, uh, decisive objection against them. Um, so the first one um, is, is one that um, denies any physical reality to the uh, corpuscle aspect or the corpuscle um, part of reality. Um, so it, it says that the wave is the only um, real physical, uh, the only physical reality is the wave. Um, and then the, the particle uh, would, uh, or what is regarded as a particle would, would in fact be um, uh, a packet of waves. Um, so a, a particularly um, dense region of, of the waves or something like that. Um, uh, and so the objection to, to this account is that um, it, uh, it doesn't account for the stability of the particle um, so that uh, the packet of waves will um, uh, sort of dissipate over time. Um, it will uh, no longer have that packet characteristic or, or um, that um, form that approximates a particle. Um, and so um, uh, we can't explain on this account how particles have something like stability or a tendency to maintain that particle character over time. Um, and then uh, the second interpretation um, uh, grants the wave corpuscle duality um, uh, a real physical um, uh, existence, a real physical nature, um, um, but it uh, it regards the corpuscle as not just a, a packet of waves, but as a singularity in the wave. Um, so it's a, um, a singular region um, within the, the wave function. Uh, and the, so the wave and the particle would both be um, physical realities, um, but they're related to each other by this uh, notion that the 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 singular the particle is a, a singularity in the wave function, um, and and this is the, the theory that Louis de Bray had adopted um, uh, in the nineteen twenties. Um, but the the objection to this theory is that um, um, in the treatment of of light and uh, in wave mechanics in general. Um, there's no uh, there's no sort of intrinsic reason to use to um, to think that there there are these singularities. Um, so wave mechanics is capable of working with continuous waves, um, and uh, uh, the singularities don't really come up, or that there's no uh, reason to think that there there would be this singularity. Um, so it has a this this interpretation has a sort of um, artificial character because you're it's a sort of post hoc. Um, uh, um, suggestion that there should be the, these singularities, but um, the singularities themselves don't appear um, anywhere else. Um, 
so that's the the second objection or or I got, you can put it in other in other terms um, that so if the 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 wave um, uh, the wave phenomenon really is uh, uh, or really does have singularities um, in its real physical um, manifestation, then why is it that uh, wave mechanics is capable of uh, operating successfully with um, a continuous wave um, without singularities? Uh, so uh, that's that's the problem or objection to the second theory. Um, and then the third uh, interpretation is the the standard interpretation, um, the, part of the, the Copenhagen interpretation of uh, quantum physics, which um, regards the the wave and particle as being two um, complementary descriptions of reality, um, so that they they're um, in some sense uh, relative to our knowledge. Um, so we have to describe reality in terms of uh, both wave and corpuscle, um, but uh, we're not, we, we don't have a, any sort of capacity to um, ascribe physical reality to either of those two aspects um, on their own. Uh, and so this is the, the standard interpretation, um, uh, which um, has a sort of epistemological limitation built into it um, so that we can only um, talk about how we describe reality uh, um, using these concepts, but we can't really talk about what reality is like, um, physical reality is like itself. Um, so that's the, the third interpretation. And uh, um, so he doesn't uh, set out what the, the real objection to that third interpretation is, but I think it's precisely that um, epistemological limitation is, is what Simonon finds objectionable and or, or following Debray, what, what Debray finds objectionable is that um, epistemological limitation, the fact that uh, on this interpretation, we can't actually um, talk about what physical reality is like. Um, we can only talk about our descriptions of physical reality. Um, and, uh, and so some way out of some uh, alternative interpretation has to be offered to explain how we, um, uh, or what physical reality is like um, uh, if, if quantum uh, physics is a correct um, uh, description of reality. Um, what, what does that tell us about what physical reality itself is like? So that's what we're um, aiming towards here. Uh, maybe one other point before we go on um, is in that, that last paragraph at the bottom of 144 and top of 145. Um, in that quote from Debray, um, he explains the um, what is um, new or what is different about this uh, second interpretation um, that uh, that considers the corpuscle as a singularity within um, a wave phenomenon. Um, uh, so under this account, um, we have a, um, a natural or a, a plausible explanation for why the, uh, these particles should behave in a way that, um, that doesn't follow the, the laws of classical mechanics um, so that um, for example, um, 
the existence of interference in the two-slit experiment, um, which um, on on the standard interpretation, on the Copenhagen interpretation, is uh, um, interpreted to mean that there's no fact of the matter about which slit the particle passes through. Um, it's, it's not a, a determinate fact. Um, and it's only when we measure it, um, the location of the particle when it strikes the, the um, photoelectric uh, plates at the end of, of the of the experiment or, or um, when it strikes uh, whatever um, measuring apparatus is at the other side of the, of the two slits. Um, uh, it's only when it's measured by that apparatus that uh, the particle has a determinate location. Um, and so under De Bray's interpretation, um, the particle does have a determinate location and it does pass through one slit rather than the other. But the, the waves that, or the wave phenomenon that um, guides the the particle or that um, determines the particle's trajectory um, uh, is uh, interacts with the apparatus, the two slits, um, and it's that wave uh, aspect, uh, that physical wave that produces the interference effect um, on the, the back wall of the apparatus. Um, um, so that uh, um, we have a, a, a physical explanation for um, the, the sort of uh, strange behavior of particles at the, the quantum level, um, rather than just suggesting that there's some kind of epistemological limitation to um, what we can know about the particles. Um, so that's, that's what's uh, new about um, De Bray's interpretation. Okay, so we can go on to the next bit if someone else would like to read. However, as Louis de Broglie says, wave mechanics has developed by only contemplating continuous solutions without singularities for equations of propagation. These solutions are customarily designated by the Greek letter psi. <clears throat> if the propagation of a wave, a flat and monochromatic psi wave, is associated with a uniform and rectilinear movement, then a difficulty is presented. The phase of the wave that allows us to to define the frequency and wavelength associated with the corpuscle indeed seems to have a direct physical sense, whereas the wave's constant amplitude seems to be just a, just a statistical representation of the possible positions of the corpuscle. As Louis de Broglie affirms in the same annual conference presentation, quote, Thus, there would be a mixture of the individual and of the statistical that would be mysterious and would seem to have to be clarified. This is why de Broglie will postulate in a May article of Journal de Physique that all continuous solutions for the equations of wave mechanics are somewhat doubled by a solution with a singularity U that carries a singularity that is mobile in general, the corpuscle, and has the same phase as the solution psi. Uh, between the solution U and the solution psi, which both have a wave form, there is no phase difference, since the phase is the, is the same function of x, y, z, t. Uh, yet, there is a considerable difference of amplitude, because solution U conveys a singularity, whereas that of psi is continuous. If the equation of propagation is supposedly the same for u and for psi, then a fundamental theorem can be demonstrated. 
the mobile singularity of you must eventually describe a trajectory such that in each point, the speed is proportionate to the phase gradient. Quote, it could be said that this is how the reaction of, a propagation, of the propagation of the wave phenomenon on the singularity that forms its center would be translated. I am also demonstrating that this reaction could be expressed as, could be expressed by considering the corpuscle singularity as being subject to a quantum potential that was precisely the mathematical expression of the reaction of the wave on it, unquote. Uh, thus, the diffraction of light by the edge of a screen can be interpreted by saying that the corpuscle of light is subject to an action of the screen's edge and is therefore is thereby diverted from its rectilinear root. Just the partisans of the old corpuscular theory of light proclaim, but by considering the action of the screen's edge on the corpuscle takes place through the intermediary of this quote-unquote quantum potential, which is the mathematical expression of the wave on the corpuscle. The wave would therefore serve as a means of energy exchange between the corpuscle and the screen's edge. In this interpretation, the U wave with its mobile singularity therefore simultaneously constitutes the corpuscle and the wave phenomenon that surrounds it, which is a single physical reality. What describes physical reality is the U wave and not the psi wave, which has no real physical signification, since the psi wave is deemed to have the same phase as the U wave, and the corpuscle singularity is always displaced by following the phase gradient. The possible trajectories of the corpuscle would coincide with the curves orthogonal to the surface equal to the phase of psi. This would lead to considering the probability of finding the corpuscle in a point as equal to the square of the amplitude or intensity of the psi wave. This principle was already accepted for quite a while in wave mechanics since it was necessary for establishing the theory of the diffraction of electrons. In 1905, Einstein had already shown that the probability for a photon to be present in a point of space is proportionate to the square of the amplitude of the light wave associated with it. Here we rediscover one of the essential principles of the wave theory of light. The density of radiant energy is given by the square of the amplitude of the luminous wave. In this case, the psi wave seems like a, a purely fictive wave, a simple representation of probabilities. But it is worth mentioning that this formal and somewhat nominal characteristic of the psi wave was only just so, because in phase concordance with it, there was a U-wave phase with a singularity that really described the central corpuscle of an extended wave phenomenon. And this was how Louis de Broglie concludes his retrospective exposition in 1953. Quote, if we could have the impression that the psi wave fully sufficed to describe the behavior of the corpuscle such that we could observe it experimentally. This would be due to the coincidence of phases that formed the cornerstone of my theory. Yeah, so this is um, the, the sort of key um, notion of the, the double solution theory. So that's why it's called double solution is because we have these two this two different solutions to the um, the wave function. So the one, um, the the psi wave or the psi solution, 
um, is um, uh, a purely um, probabilistic, uh, um, uh, a purely probabilistic description of the um, the probability for a particle to be located at a certain location, um, uh, and under the the um, standard interpretation of quantum physics, that's all there really is to know is that uh, probability. So there's this inherently um, there's this inherent indeterminism about reality. So that the, it's actually there's nothing there's no fact of the matter about where the particle is determinately until it's measured, um, and it's only uh, and before measurement, all we have is this uh, probability of uh, of location. Of a particle um, uh, in in a certain location, um, and uh, so that's the the psi wave for the psi solution to the um, to the uh, equations of propagation, um, and and so the psi wave has this uh, continuous character. It doesn't have um, singularities, uh, and then De Bruy proposes that that there's also this U wave. Um, um, and uh, uh, the U wave um, would have a singularity within it, uh, um, which is what accounts for the the particle um, or the appearance of a of a particle. Um, and um, the U wave would, in fact, be a, a physical wave. Um, it's not uh, it's not probabilistic like the psi wave, um, and uh, um, and so some of the strange phenomena like uh, diffraction and, and interference uh, um, would be accounted for by the way that the wave uh, interacts with the obstacles or the the um, the uh, arrangement of the environment. Um, and so there is a, a real exchange of energy between the particle and the edge of the screen in uh, the diffraction experiment um, so that uh, the the particle is diverted from the the straight line um, path, um, and um, uh, and so this uh, this version this U wave um, has uh, a, an extra term uh, compared to the um, the standard theory, uh, which is precisely the the quantum potential that he talks about. Um, so it's a, a more complicated mathematical expression than under the standard interpretation. By, by being more complicated or by having this um, extra term, it uh, gives a physical meaning to um, the, the solution of the wave function um, rather than a purely probabilistic one. Uh, right, and, and Angus uh, posted a question in the chat about, um, so asking, um, uh, the psi wave solution holds that the particle in itself has a, a probabilistic position. Um, so maybe to um, to sort of clarify, so the the psi wave um, is is in itself is just a, a mathematical solution of the um, the equations for the the wave function. Um, um, so it, it doesn't uh, in itself say anything about what the the physical character of that solution is. Um, but un under the standard interpretation, the, the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum physics, um, that probabilistic uh, depiction of reality is the only uh, fact of the matter about the, the particle um, until it's measured. Um, 
so there, there, there's no uh, determinate location of the particle until it's measured, uh, and then in that pre-measurement state, it's only it only has a, a probability of being located at various positions that that's determined by that function. Um, and uh, um, one, so the the sort of major problem with that account is that um, there's no good uh, explanation of what it means for something to be measured um, in physical terms. Um, so that, uh, um, of course, in in real life, we know perfectly well what measuring means. Uh, we have instruments that can measure um, whether a, a photon strikes a you know a piece of film or um, an electric uh, sensor or whatever. Um, and uh, um, but uh, there's no explanation in terms of so uh, under the quantum. Uh, is it under quantum physics, you have this sort of um, uh, probabilistic uh, uh, reality, or um, we have this behavior of, uh, uh, of the particles um, de determined by this um, psi wave. Um, but then measurement is supposed to collapse that wave function down to um, one possibility. So, um, what exactly that means, uh, what sort of, whether there's a, a physical process of uh, collapse of the wave function or whether the, this is um, a purely epistemic um, uh, transformation, um, that's you know something that is still under debate. Um, and that's what is called the measurement problem within uh, the foundations of quantum physics. Uh, so that's the, the sort of major weakness or the major open problem in the, the the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum physics. Okay, so I think we can go on. Um, I can read the next um, page or so of this uh, multi-page paragraph. So I think we just read the quote from De Bray beginning, if we could have the impression. I think that's where we ended, right? In order to be received at that time, this theory required that we rework the theory of the phenomena of interference, for example, that of Young's slits, by only utilizing the U-wave with its singularities. It would be just as necessary to interpret with the help of the U-wave, the wave mechanics of systems of corpuscles developed in the framework of, Sch of Schrodinger's configuration space. But in 1953, Louis de Bray proposes a modification of the U-wave. In 1927, I considered it as, as a solution with a singularity of the linear equations accepted by wave mechanics for the psi wave. Various considerations, particularly the assimilation with the theory of generalized relativity of which I will speak later, have made me think that the veritable equation of U-wave propagation could be nonlinear, like the ones we encounter in Einstein's theory of gravitation, which is a nonlinear equation that would admit, admit as an approximate form the equation of wave mechanics when the values of U would be weak. If this point of view were exact, we could even admit that the U-wave does not behave like a mobile singularity in the strict sense of the word singularity, but merely as a very small mobile singular region with dimensions on the order of 10 to the minus 13 centimeters, within which the values of U would be large enough for the linear approximation to no longer be valid, although it would be fully valid in the space outside this very small region. Unfortunately, this change in our point of view does not facilitate the resolution of the mathematical problems that are posed, because if the study of the, of the solutions of linear equations with singularities is often difficult, that of the solutions of nonlinear equations is even more so. 
Louis de Croix attempted to simplify his theory for the Salier conference in 1927 by introducing the notion of the pilot wave, which was essentially the psi wave considered as guiding the corpuscle following the formula speed proportionate to the phase gradient. Since the corpuscle's movement is defined by the phase gradient that belongs to the solutions u and psi, everything seemingly happens as if the corpuscle were guided by the continuous psi wave. The corpuscle would then become an independent reality. This representation was not well received by the Solvay conference, and Louis de Breuil regretted having simplified his theory in the direction of a certain formalism that eventually resulted in a nominalism. The theory of the pilot wave leads to this unacceptable result of determining the movement of the corpuscle by a physical quantity, the continuous psi wave, which has no real physical signification, depends on the state of knowledge of the one who utilizes it, and must vary abruptly when information happens to modify this knowledge. If the conceptions that I have announced in 1927 one day rose again from their embers, this would only occur in the subtle form of the double solution and not in the truncated and unacceptable form of the pilot wave. Louis Lebrun considers that the first form of this theory, which conveys the U wave and the, and the psi wave, albeit difficult to justify mathematically, is quite superior to that of the pilot wave, since it is capable, in successful cases, of offering an extremely profound view of the constitution of matter and of the duality of waves and corpuscles, and is even perhaps capable of allowing for a rapprochement of quantum conceptions and relativistic conceptions. Nevertheless, this rapprochement is something Louis de Bray ardently desires, considering it to be grandiose. So there's an explanation here of the distinction between the, the pilot wave version of the theory and the, the double solution version. Um, uh, and again, so de Breuil originally came up with the, the double solution theory, um, but because of the mathematical difficulties, he simplified the theory and presented it at the Sunday conference in the form of the, the pilot wave theory. Um, and when, when that was rejected, he, um, he gave up on both forms of the theory. Uh, and then uh, David Bohm in uh, the 1950s, 1951, I think, um, uh, sorry, 1952, um, he uh, rediscovered the pilot wave form and that led Debray to um, go back to his double solution theory. Um, and, and so the, the difference is uh, under the pilot wave, version of the theory, um, the the psi wave would govern, so the continuous uh, set of solutions to the the uh, wave function would govern the um, the movement of the particle. Um, and uh, um, and so we have a um, a continuous um, uh, where a continuous function, uh, a continuous wave, um, which uh, interacts with the particle and uh, um, uh, governs its trajectory. Um, and so de Breuil's later criticism of this version of the theory is that um, if the psi wave is probabilistic, then we're, um, we're, um, we're using something that has no physical reality um, that, that has to do with uh, our, I mean, it has to do with our knowledge um, of of the position of a particle. We're using that um, that psi wave uh, as we're we're attributing to it um, an interaction with a physical particle. So we have a um, a description of our knowledge is interacting with a physical particle, um, and what exactly that would mean is something uh, pretty obscure. Um, so 
that's why he considers the double solution theory to be um, superior. So under the double solution theory, it's not the psi wave, the continuous uh, solution that um, that has physical reality or that governs the movement of the trajectory, uh, sorry, the movement of the particle along its trajectory. Um, it's the U wave with its discontinuity. Um, uh, so the particle um, is this discontinuous region of the U wave um, and uh, and so the the evolution of the of, of the um, particle, the trajectory that it follows, is governed by uh, a real physical wave and not by um, a probabilistic wave. Um, so that's the difference between the the two versions of the theory. Everyone's pretty quiet today. Um, not a lot of uh, commentary. Yeah, that uh, that. Um clarification of the difference between the pilot wave and the double solution theory was helpful. I was finding it hard to find anything on the double solution theory itself. It seems like all the kind of basic stuff about uh, De Broglie that I could find on the internet was about the pilot wave uh, specifically. But, you know, as we just saw, he talks about them as, as different theories, obviously. So it's helpful to, uh, to get that background and Kind of understand the difference between the function of the psi wave and the u wave yeah i um probably about a month ago or a few weeks ago i i you know knowing this was coming up i i was doing some background research and, and trying to you know get a better grasp of the 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 difference between these two theories and i ended up having to read most of uh, one of de Bray's books from 1953 i think or in 1950s anyway where he um, where he sets out his uh, double solution theory, um, but that, that was pretty much the only source I could find anywhere online was um, De Blais' book itself, um, and uh, I, I couldn't really find any um, secondary sources that uh, explains um, that, that explained the, the double solution theory rather than the pilot wave theory. Uh, is that because the double solution theory maybe isn't isn't like current or something that you know physicists are are talking about these days? Uh, yeah, it's definitely not something that physicists are are like actively researching or or um, something that is like, prominent. Um, I'm sure there's someone somewhere that that is working on it, but um, uh, I don't know if um, uh, yeah, I don't know if that is sort of a, a reflection on its, um, on its value. Um, it's, uh, it could also just as much be a reflection on the difficulty of working with this discontinuous um, solution. Um, it's, uh, so the, the mathematical difficulty, um, make, like it, it just makes it harder to, to work with and, and makes, uh, makes it less, um, less rewarding, I guess, it's less likely that you're going to make any progress, whereas other versions, so like the pilot wave version, um, give you more possibility of progress and, and being able to um, contribute uh, positively. Uh, so I think that that could, could also be a part of what, um, uh, what leads physicists not to work on the double solution theory. But yeah, I'm I'm far from an expert, so um, it's possible that there are good reasons why um, the double solution theory is not um, sort of a, 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 an active 
um, center of, of research. Um, uh, there could be other reasons that I'm not aware of that, that lead to that. Um, I was on and off, so my question would sound. My question is that like a uh, this part is really challenging to me. So my question is that so similar is trying to interpret the individuation as far as understand individuation is kind of like a psychological discipline or area, but he's trying to understand understand interpret individuation in terms of so how does it make sense like is there anybody who can like uh help me to understand like the sorry relation when i when i talk should i keep push, pushing to talk it's quite inconvenient to yeah, you can switch to um, voice activated. Uh, I think it should be allowed now. Um, I think the settings of the channel should let you do that. Um, but um, if I understand correctly, you're, you're asking about what the relationship is between the, the psychological notion of individuation and the physical notion that Simon Jong is, is developing. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's um, an interesting question. Um, and it's one that we probably can't fully answer yet uh, because um, so we're, we're still on the, the part of the book on uh, physical individuation. And then we have vital individuation that comes next. So the individuation of living beings. Um, and then the next part after that is where we'll get to that answer is um, um, the individuation uh, is psychic individuation. Um, it's uh, um, the individuation of uh, and of um, entities with a mind or something like that. Um, uh, and so we'll, we'll see that in a bit, but the, the sort of bigger picture is um, that he regards uh, vital individuation um, and psychological or psychic individuation as being, um, having this relationship of um, uh, uh, a sort of, um, Slowing relationships so that um, uh, vital individuation is a, um, a slowing down of physical individuation. So when we saw the crystal example, the crystal uh, individuates um, uh, instantaneously. So it, it, it crystallizes um, and then the, the crystal after the individuation is a sort of dead product. It, um, uh, it's, it's just uh, there. Um, and so there's this... Um, uh, anteriority, so the, the already crystallized um, portion uh, of the crystal is um, is uh, uh, anterior or or proceeds in time the um, the limit where the crystallization is still occurring. Um, but in the case of a living being, um, the individuation is ongoing, so that um, rather than having a, an anteriority, um, the whole living being is um, uh, simultaneous with itself. It, it's, uh, it, it exists in one uh, time frame, I guess we could say. Um, and, and then psychic individuation will again be a, a, a sort of slowing down of vital individuation. Um, um, and uh, um, another uh, sort of incorporation of, of the 
um, the time into a uh, into a, a, a previously um, a previous level of individuation. Um, so that answer probably won't make a lot of sense yet. But um, so the the uh, short version is that we'll we'll see um, when we get to part three of the book on um, on psychic individuation, we'll get a better understanding of that relationship there. Uh, th thank you. The, the, the reason why I asked that is that was that like Simongdong like in a way treated treated like a human being as like machines like I mean the process of like explaining like the whole process like in terms of physics quite interesting and then um quantum physics everything actually at the end of the day like the physics uh, is associated with the uh, some kind of psychological process definitely but the Wow, this part is quite challenging, and then uh, I have a very thankful for kind explanations. Thank you. Yeah, this is definitely uh, um, the most difficult part of the book um, for anyone who is not uh, already um, like pretty familiar with with quantum physics. Um, I've had to do uh, a lot of digging and and you know secondary reading to uh, to try to grasp some of what's going on. Um, so uh, yeah, hopefully the um, the bits that I'm able to uh, share will will help to understand um, some of the physical concepts that he's working with because he uh, he sort of presupposes a lot of knowledge of uh, quantum physics um, as um, as something that the reader is supposed to have already, um, which is uh, not always the case. Yeah, um, you know, Angus pointed out we're we're not, we're not too far away from the vital individuation chapter. We should get it get to it in the next couple of weeks, um, and it is much easier. Um, uh, the The realm of the living being is uh, a little bit less, um, or it's a, a bit more familiar than uh, the realm of uh, quantum physics. So there's less um, sort of weirdness um, and and we can have a, a better grasp of what's going on without having to um, sort of dig through all these secondary sources. But at the same time, like uh, thinking about Deleuze's Deleuze books and then which also like mentions like a Sch Schrodinger or uh, makes like a outside think of quantum physics, things like that. This part is quite interesting and then necessary. I mean, a necessary session. Um, yeah, I don't remember where Deleuze talks about uh, Schrodinger. Um, uh, not, not exactly. Sorry, not exactly. While I, I, uh, I mean, when when Deleuze reading group, with when we talked about um, different repetition or, or some of some other things, just like the idea came up. So that's why I'm, I I just said. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I can definitely see why um, why some of these ideas might um, come up again into those. Um, it, it's uh, it makes sense that, that there would be connections to the draw there. Um, okay, so I think we can go on to the next bit. If someone else would like to read, um, starting from this is why Louis de Bray. This is why Louis uh, Louis de Broche one once again considers the theory of double solution, U wave and psi wave. As needing to be studied starting from the moment, I witness Bohm and Bijir, I hope I pronounced properly, 
Regime this point of view. Following following Boom's attempt, Bijer establishes a uh, 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 rapprochement between the double solution and the theorem demonstrated by Einstein. After developing the great lines of generalized relativity, Einstein was preoccupied with the way in which the atomic structure of the matter could be represented represented by the singularities of the gra gravitational field. Nevertheless, in generalized relativity, we accept that the mo movement of the body is represented in a space-time curve by geodesics uh, of this space-time. This postulate allowed Einstein to newly discover the movement of the planets around the sun and to further interpret by the same token the centennial uh, displacement of Mercury's perihelion. Uh, peri Since then, if we want to define the elementary particles of the of matter by the existence of singularities in the in the gravitational field, it would have to be possible to demonstrate solely on the basis of the equations of the gravitational field that the movement of singularities occurs following the uh, geodesics of space-time without having to introduce this reject as an independent postulate. Einstein demonstrated this in 1927 while working in collaboration with uh, Gromer, and then the uh, demonstration was repeated and extended in various ways by Einstein. He's collaborated in Fields and Hoffman. The demonstra demonstration of Einstein's theory presents, as Rui de Broglie claimed in 1953, a certain knowledge with what he had himself presented in 1927 to prove that a corpuscle must always have its speed directed following the phase gradient of, of the U-wave of which it constitutes a singularity. M. Bijia fervently pursued attempt to clarify this analogy by seeking to introduce the functions of the U-wave into the definition of the matrix of space-time. Although this attempts to have still not fully ripened, it's certain that the path and his tract is quite interesting, for it could lead to a unification of the ideas of general relativity and wave mechanics, end of quote. Since material Corpuscles and photons are considered to be singular regions in the matrix of space-time surrounded by a wave field to which they belong and whose definition would introduce the Planck, Planck constant. It would become possible, according to Louis de Brohe, to unify Einstein's conceptions on particles and those of double solution theory. This grandiose synthesis of relativity of quanta would have, among many other advantages, the advantage of avoiding subjectivism, which is related, as Louis de Brouhet says, to idealism in the philosophical sense, which tends to deny the independent of physical existence of the observer. Being, uh, 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 nevertheless, the physicist instinctively remains, as Mayer, uh, Mayerson has strongly emphasized as long ago, uh, uh, a realist, end of a quote, and he has several good reasons for this. Are you always confusing? Should I say beginning of quote or which start quote? Quote to start? Uh, you, yeah, you can say start quote if you want. Um, I, it's not but I don't have to. But I don't have to. 
Start the cycle, okay. Subjectivity in interpretations will always give him a feeling of unease. And I urgently believe that he would be happy to break away from this. End of quote. But this synthesis, which is able to reestablish a much more profound and realistic signification of the double solution theory, would also have another advantage. The singular joints of various corpuses can, in fact, encroach upon one another, starting at a, st at a certain scale. This encroachment is not significant, important enough at the atomic scale. Ah, tell me, how, how can I read this one? 10, 10 to minus 8? Oh, what should I say? Ten. Above? I think that you can say 10 to the minus 8 or 10 to the negative 8. Yeah, I think either one is fine. Okay, I can just uh, skip it. To constrict the other interpretation, but this does not necessarily apply in the nuclear scale. Could you help me one more time? 10 to the negative 13th centimeters. Thank you so much. At this scale, it could be that the singular zones of corpuses encroach on one another, that these corpuses can no longer be considered isolated. Thus, we see appear a new mode of a calculation of that relation between physical individuation in individuals that would force a consideration of density and of individual characteristics, which are defined as a singularity of the U-wave. The theory of nuclear phenomena and particularly the theory of the forces that maintain the stability of the nucleus could begin through the new path. Physics could define a structure of particles, which is not possible with the side wave that excludes any structure representation of particles due to its statis statistical characteristic. The new types of mesons that have been dis discovered could thus be provided with a structure image due to this return to spatial temporal images. The statistical psi wave could then no longer be considered a complete representation of reality and the indeterminism that accompanies these conceptions in the same way that impossibility of representing the realities of the atomic scale precisely in the framework of space and time through various variables that would be hidden to us would have to be considered incompatible with the new representation of a physical reality. Thank you for helping me. Yeah, that's good. Uh, um, that's a good place to stop because it's a, um, a subsection break. Uh, so thank you. Um, um, yeah, so this is this uh, long paragraph is about um, the relationship between this double solution um, theory and uh, general relativity and um, what De Breuil thinks is the analogy between the two is that um, within uh, uh, within relativist within general relativity, um, we have this uh, depiction of um, uh, uh, of matter um, as um, a singularity within the gravitational field, um, so that um, the the mass of uh, a body is um, represented or, or is uh, um, identified with the curvature of uh, space-time. Um, and uh, um, so this is analogous to the representation in the double solution theory of a particle by a singular region of the U wave. Um, and, um, and so um, De Breuil, um, 
sort of uh, hopes or, or sets out the um, ambition of uniting the two theories um, by uh, something along the lines of, uh, of um, representing uh, particles by singularities or singular regions. Um, and um, uh, he suggests that this, uh, or and Simon Don following Debray suggests that this um, unification would have two major advantages. Um, so the first is that it, uh, um, it avoids subjectivism so that uh, we don't have to um, regard the, the states of particles as um, dependent on our knowledge in some sense, like we do under the, the Copenhagen interpretation. Um, and uh, the second major um, advantage is that um, we can uh, we can understand the um, uh, so because because we're representing particles as singular regions of this wave that we can also represent um, the uh, joining together or um, uh, the encroachment of one singular region on another um, so that you could have two two particles could um, merge or one particle could split into two um, and so this gives us a way of representing the phenomena of um, uh, you know particles of, of subatomic particles um, uh, splitting and and so on um, um, but yeah this is something I don't know a lot about but um, Simon Don here seems to be suggesting that uh, it would not be possible to study these the nuclear scale um, under the standard interpretation of, of quantum theory um, and that um, has certainly not turned out to be true. Um, there, there's been you know a lot of study of um, uh, the nuclear scale. Um, um, that's one of the sort of core regions of, of research in physics uh, over the last I don't know fifty years or so. Um, and uh, and most physicists do accept the the Copenhagen interpretation of uh, quantum theory. Um, so I guess Simon Dole is, in a sense, making a, a prediction about these research programs about whether whether they will be fruitful or not. And he um, his prediction um, turned out not to be correct um, about uh, about the the standard interpretation of quantum physics. So I guess a, an interesting question here is um, whether uh, so to what extent um, Simon Dole's conceptions. Uh, um, are dependent on this double solution theory, and uh, um, so if if um, if he was wrong about the idea that the the standard interpretation of quantum physics um, would not be able to uh, account for nuclear phenomena, um, does that is that like something that is a uh, is that a flaw in his broader um, theory of individuation, uh, or is this something that we can sort of um, regard as an isolated uh, mistake or um, uh, failed prediction or something like that? Uh, I'm not sure. My uh, tendency would be to suggest that um, I think uh, everything in Simon Don's theory sort of hangs together pretty tightly. He um, He's not... Um, uh, like he's he's certainly a systematic thinker. He he has um, a big picture in mind, and and 
you know, how the different pieces fit together um, at all times. So I think it would be hard to um, to sort of cut out this one piece of his theory uh, and, and say this is this piece was wrong um, and the rest is, is good. Um, um, but uh, uh, I, I don't I'm not super familiar with the secondary literature on Simondo actually, but um, from what I've seen, this area doesn't seem to be really addressed much. Like there isn't much uh, secondary literature on his uh, relationship with quantum physics and, and the double solution theory. Um, there was that paper that we, we talked about a little bit last time, um, which talks about um, uh, Simon Dong uh, in relation with quantum physics, but it, it, doesn't, um, it doesn't address the double solution theory uh, and, uh, and this issue of, of um, what, what the, the failure of, of the prediction regarding the research programs uh, um, what uh, impact that has on the rest of Simon Dong's theory. Um, I, I don't know if anyone's uh, worked on that at all. Okay, so we can start the next subsection. Um, I can read a bit. Uh, so subsection three, the theory of the double solution in wave mechanics. However, it is important to note that if we begin by acknowledging that the physical individual should not be considered as a reality limited to itself and defined by its spatial limits, or rather as the singularity of a wave, i.e. as a reality that can be defined by the inherence to its properties, but which is also defined by the interaction that it has with other physical realities at a distance. The consequence of this initial breadth of, in the definition of the individual is that the notion remains affected by a coefficient of realism. Conversely, if we begin by upholding the opposite notion of the individual as being defined stricto sensu as a particle limited by its dimensions, then this physical being loses its reality and probabilistic formalism replaces the realism of the preceding theory. It is specifically in probabilistic theories which accept the classical notion of the individual from the start that this notion is lacking due to the progress in the theory of the probability wave. According to Bohr's expression cited by Louis Debré, corpuscles become unsharply defined individuals within finite space-time limits. The wave also loses all realist physical signification According to the expression of Detouche, it is nothing more than a representation of probability that depends on the knowledge acquired by the one who utilizes it. Uh, quote, it is personal and subjective like the assessments of probability, and like them, it is abruptly modified when the user acquires new information. This is what Heisenberg has called the reduction of the packet of waves by measurement, a reduction that would alone suffice to demonstrate the non-physical characteristic of the psi wave, end quote. This probability does not result from an ignorance. It results from pure contingency, such as pure probability, which does not result from a definite hidden determinism that is calculable according to hidden parameters. The hidden parameters would not exist. The physical individual, the corpuscle, becomes in the theories of Bohr and Heisenberg, a set of potentialities affected by probabilities. It is nothing more than a being that appears fleetingly, sometimes under one aspect and sometimes under another in conformity with the notion of complementarity that belongs to Bohr's theory and according to the relations of Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, which are the foundation of an indeterministic and probabilistic theory. In general, neither a well-determined position, a speed, nor a trajectory can be attributed to the corpuscle. It can only be revealed as having a certain speed or position, a moment when its measurement or observation is made. 
at each instant, so to speak, it possesses a whole series of possible positions or states of movement. Since these various potentialities can be actualized at the moment of the measurement with certain probabilities. The associated psi wave is a representation of the set of the corpuscles potentialities with their respective probabilities. The extension of the psi wave in space represents the indetermination of the corpuscles positions, which can be revealed to be present in any point whatsoever of the region occupied by the wave with a probability proportionate to the square of the wave's amplitude in this point. The same applies for the states of movement. The psi wave has a spe spectral decomposition in a Fourier series or integral, and this decomposition represents all the possible states of a measurement of the quantity of movement, the possibility of each possible result of such a measurement that is given by the square of the corresponding coefficient of the Fourier decom decomposition. This theory has the fortune of finding in front of it and ready to serve as its means of expression, a perfectly adequate mathematical expression, the theory of functions and proper values, developments in a series of proper functions, matrices and Hilbert space. Thus, all the resources of linear analysis are immediately usable. The double solution theory is not as well served by the current state of development of mathematical formalism and seems that a certain irregularity in the development of mathematical thought according to various paths has led to a much greater facility of expression for the indeterministic and probabilistic theory than for the double solution theory. But the privilege thus given to a certain state of mathematical development to one of the interpretations of the wave corpuscle relation should not be considered an index of the superiority of the easily formulable doctrine in terms of what concerns the value of the representation that it gives a physical reality. It is necessary to dissociate formal perfection from fidelity to the real. This fidelity to the real is translated by a certain capacity of discovery and fruitfulness in research. However, the indeterministic and probabilistic theory of the relation between waves and corpuscles seems to have lost this power of discovery and is closed with an increasingly remarkable self-constructive formalism, S matrices, minimum length, non-localized fields that nevertheless do not allow for the resolution, for example, of problems relative to the stability of the nucleus. So he's uh, sort of going over again the um, the opposition between the the standard uh, um, indeterministic and probabilistic theory um, and the on the one hand and then the double solution theory on the other. Um, and so he suggests that um, it's uh, um, the state of mathematics that has led to um, the the uh, indeterministic approach being um, uh, being favored um, rather than the uh, deterministic one. Um, so the 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 theory of uh, linear analysis was available um, to the indeterministic theory, and and so there were well understood um, mathematical um, constructions that could be used uh, in the the indeterministic theory, whereas the double solution theory didn't have uh, the same um, mathematical resources available. Uh, so that's um, that's what Simon Don suggests is the, um, is behind the the, uh, the fact that physicists favor the um, indeterministic theory over the double solution one. And just a minor uh, translation note here. When, when it says um, proper values, uh, that should be eigenvalues. Uh, um, yeah, the, the term is a little bit different in, I don't know exactly why, but in, in English we use the, the German term, 
translation uh, for for uh, for this concept. Um, so yeah, that, that's uh, um, something missing in the translation. Okay, so I think we can go on. Um, this will probably be our last uh, page or so that we read. Uh, if someone else would like to read. Louis de Broglie considers this opposition between the two conceptions of the wave corpuscle relation as essentially residing in the deterministic or indeterministic postulate. We could also consider that what is in question is the representation of the physical individual, at first in an elementary sense, but then on all levels. Probabilistic theory can only be probabilistic because it considers that the physical individual is what seems to be what seems relative to the measuring subject. There is something of a recurrence of probabilities installed in the very being of the physical individual despite the contingency of the relation through which the event of measure intervenes. On the contrary, at the basis of the double solution theory, there is the idea that relation has the value of being and really belongs to being. A particular wave belongs to the individual, and this individual is its center and singularity. The individual is what contains the instrument through which relation is established, since this relation is that of a measurement or some other event that conveys an energy exchange. Relation has the value of being. It is an individuating operation. In the indeterministic and probabilistic theory, a certain static substantialism of the physical individual remains in the subject. The individual can indeed be one of the terms of the relation, but the relation is independent of these term, of the terms. In the end, we could say that relation is nothing. It is only a probability for the relation to occur here or there. Relation is not of the same nature as the terms. It is a purely formal thing, something artificial in the profound sense of the term when there is a measurement, i.e. a relation of subject and object. This formalism and this artificiality, which come from an overly narrow definition of physical individuation, then reflects back onto the usual definition of the individual, uh, which is practically defined only by the relation. It then becomes this, quote, sharply and sharply de unsharply defined individual unquote yet the individual precisely cannot be quote sharply defined unquote at the start before any relation because it carries its possibility of relation around around it and is this possibility of relation individuation and relation are inseparable the capacity of relation belongs to the being and enters into its definition and into the determination of its limits. There is no limit between the individual and its activity of relation. Relation is contemporaneous with being. It belongs to being energetically and spatially. Relation and being simultaneously exist as a field and the potential that relation defines is veritable, not formal. Just because an energy is in a potential form doesn't mean that it does not exist. The response will be that we cannot define the potential outside of a system. This is true, but it is possible that we need to postulate the individual, that the individual is a being which cannot exist as an individual except in relation 
with a non-individuated real. In the probabilistic conception, it is postulated that the individual can exist alone and afterwards is found to be incapable of incorporating relation, which seems accidental and undetermined. Relation should neither be conceived as imminent to the being nor as external and accidental to it. These two theories unite in their mutual opposition in the sense that they suppose that the individual could be alone by right. If, on the contrary, we posit that the individual forms part of at least one system, relation becomes as real as the individual qua being, which could abstractly be conceived as isolated. The individual is being and relation. It is a center of activity, but this activity is transductive. It is exerted across and through a field of forces that modifies the whole system in terms of the individual and the individual in terms of the whole system. Relation always exists as potential, but it may or may not at a certain moment in the process of, may or may not be at a certain moment in the process of correlatively modifying the individual and system. Quantum laws seem to indicate that this relation only operates step by step and not continuously, something that guarantees stable states for both the system and the individual, despite the conservation of, of potentials. Uh, I guess I'll just finish this paragraph. Um, formalism supposes that the individual is conceived before relation, which then remains purely calculable without being subjected to the conditions of the individual's energetic states. The individual's state and its state changes are not conceived as the principle and origin of relation. In formalism, relation is not conflated with its energetic modality. On the contrary, in realism, relation is always an energetic exchange that implies an operation on the part of the individual. The structure and operation of the individual are tied together. Every relation modifies the structure, and every change of structure modifies the relation, or rather is relation. For every change of the individual's structure modifies its energetic level and consequently implies an energy exchange with other individuals, constituting the system in which the individual has received its genesis. So here he uh, ties this discussion of quantum physics back into the, um, the notion of the individual and um, the, the essential relativity of the individual in the sense that um, an individuated being uh, is always um, uh, is always part of a, a system um, with something that is non-individuated, something that remains uh, pre-individuated, um, and so this potential energy in the system um, uh, is this um, unindividuated term that um, the physical individual is always related to. Um, so in the case of uh, the the particle, we have the the singular region and the uh, the wave um, that uh, that surrounds it, um, and uh, um, the the individuated region or the 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 individual aspect is uh, is always um, relative to um, a pre-individual aspect, um, and so because of that, we can understand. Uh, 
the relation between them as a, a physical relation and not um, a strictly formal relation. Um, and so he he argues here that the um, the probabilistic interpretation of quantum physics um, presupposes um, a substantialist or a, a, the classic notion of the individual as something self-contained, um, um, and then um, sort of uh, secondarily tries to understand the relation between that individual uh, and the observer, uh, and then uh, gets into the, the difficulties of, of having to um, having to understand that relation as being um, uh, um, sort of uh, indeterministic and um, uh, having a, uh, an inherent indeterminacy so so that it's not uh, the position and, and momentum of a, a particle are not determined until they're measured um, and the uh, the understanding of um, understanding the the particle as a, a physical individual always in relation to something non-individuated allows us to understand the that relation as a, a physical relation um, rather than a, a purely formal one, and and so that's what um, Simonot thinks we can um, derive from the double solution theory is is a, an understanding of how we can grasp. Uh, individuation as a real physical individuation um, uh, of of these physical entities um, rather than uh, something purely formal. Okay, so we're almost at time, so I think um, this would be a good place for us to stop for today, um, unless anyone has any final comments they want to, uh, um, wanted to make. I just want to say that there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel because I think maybe next session we'll finish this physical individuation quantum physics stuff. Yeah, so uh, thank you for your persistence, everyone, in, in uh, pushing through the, the difficult stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it won't be long before we get to something at least a little bit more concrete that, that we can at least picture what's going on in a way that we can't uh, in this section. But I think I also uh, had a difficulty to, in, in understanding, but the, at the same time, this part is definitely like Simongdong's theory is singularity. Like, it's like, yeah, once I read it again, if I can understand much more, then it'll be fantastic. And then your explanation definitely has been really, really helpful. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome, uh, and thank you, everyone, for your questions and, and comments. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'll see you all next week, and uh, um, we'll pick up from page 153.